Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Holly Wainwright. <laughs> and this is this glorious mess, Big Kids. Who is on the record with me? Yeah, I'm Andrew Dado. I see you've become fully gentrified now, Holly. You know, like it's a little bit in the country and you're fully gentrified. It's great. I've moved to the country and I'm just like, hello, hello, hello. I'm very fancy. This is Mamma Mia's podcast for parents who often pretend to be something else just because it helps. (laughs) It really does help you get through sometimes. It's been a long time since we've said this, but we should say this. It's this Glorious Mess Big Kids has a sister show, This Glorious Mess Little Kids, that comes out every Monday and is all about little people under five, hosted by my good friend, Lee Campbell, Tegan Natoli, who have little, little people. Andrew and I have big people. I work Mm. at Mamma Mia and I have two kids who are now nine and 11. Yes, and mine are actually fully growing up now. So actually, but they're all still here. They're all still at home. They're still at home, and it's really interesting. One of the things we're talking about today, Holly, is vaccinations for for kids. But we had a genuinely robust family discussion last night on vaccination, the discussion around it, and it was, you (laughs) you know, as your kids get older, you really get a sense of that they're in the world, and when they're at university, they're really in the world and in a different part of the world to you. So I'm really looking forward to today's discussion given last night's discussion let's ah, put it that way me too so today we're talking about kids and vaccination specifically the covid vaccination it's on the minds and the tongues of parents all over the nation when kids can get vaccinated how safe it is what's it going to change and the different kinds of vaccinations that are available that might be suitable for different age ranges obviously Andrew and I are not experts, and the last thing any of us need is to listen to anyone who is not an expert on this. So we have an expert, a venerable expert, coming on to talk to us about that. Yeah, and he's terrific. He is. As always, we'll finish off with our nailed and failed moments of the week. But first of all, parenting mentors where our non-expert selves answer a problem from one of the listeners. Parenting mentors! Do we get a cape? This is from the uh, Mamma Mia Out Louders group and it's from Trudy and she says, kids' bedrooms. How do you get your kids to keep their bedrooms in order? Help. I need your best tips and strategies. I don't need them to always keep it clean. However, my daughter, who's nine, is incredibly messy, like incredibly. She's in sharp contrast to my son, who likes order and is generally neat. Over the years, I've tried reward and punishment to try and motivate her. But in the end, every few months, I get so sick of the mess, I spend a day or more helping her to return it to a neat and clean room. And unfortunately, today is that day. Well, Trudy. Trudy, Trudy, Trudy. You know what I love about this? What? Is that we think that it's part of our personality, whether we're 
tidy or messy. And when you look at your kids, it seems that's true, right? Because I'm sure that Trudy, her son is tidy and her daughter is messy. And I'm sure that they're treated more or less the same. And I'm sure that they're kind of incentivized in similar ways. So if your kid is a genuinely just, I don't care about having things in the right place, how you stop that from driving you nuts is one right. of the interesting questions, right? Right. So, Andrew, first of all, I have to ask you about your kids who are all not kids anymore. Did they used to tidy their bedrooms? Yeah, sometimes. I think they get to the point where it's too much, but that's never enough for us. And we've resorted to, I mean, I've told you this before, when it gets really bad, I'll take photographs of their bedrooms and text them to them and go, can we please discuss this? And then they always come home and go straight in there and, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, you know, I was going to do it. Well, when you're a teenager, you don't really want your parents to tidy your bedroom because no. who knows what they might find. Who knows what they <laughs> might find? Literally, who knows what they might find? That's that's one little trick. But are you saying that that might just be how kids are and they just make a mess and that's that's the personality type? Because I don't really agree with that. Well, I think there is definitely a personality type involved here because if Trudy's son is neat and tidy and Trudy's daughter is not, then is that not a personality type issue? Anyway, Trudy is asking us for advice yeah, yeah, yeah. about this. Yeah. But she's not saying that she can't get either of her kids to tidy their bedrooms. Her son tidies his bedroom, but her daughter does not tidy her bedroom. Mm. So I have never had very much success with getting my kids to tidy their bedrooms <laughs> because they don't seem to care either until... We moved and Matilda has her own room and she's put nice things in there and sometimes she just, she likes it to look neat. So she'll disappear in there and like fiddle around and put things in the right place and stuff because she likes it aesthetically. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she never, ever, ever tidies up just to tidy up. She's 11 now and she should know better, but she has to be coerced to put her plates in the dishwasher. She's not like a neat person. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she's a but kid. But she has to be because everybody has to do their bit. Yeah. So my advice, do I have any advice? It's only bribery and corruption. That's the only advice I have. It's like if you don't tidy your room, you won't X, Y, Z. Yeah, and I think for Trudy, just try and think back to the three things your mum said to you more than anything else, and I'll bet in the top three were tidy your room. So it's like it's normal. You should be thanking your lucky stars, Trudy. You have a normal nine-year-old. How about that? And then it's just, oh, she's great. How's your nine-year-old? She's great. She's a pig. She lives like, <laughs> she's normal. Something like that. Do you not believe that there are neat people? No, no, I do. I just think they just, kids just get to the point where they just can't be bothered and they just do not see the mess. They literally don't see it. And they just see it as there's my clothes there and, there's, and that's just how it is. And then eventually they probably grow out of it, but not until their 20s, I'm guessing. Oh, my God, they're 20s, Trudy. Good luck. So I say bribery. Andrew says accept it but keep yelling. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> is normal. When I talk in schools and I ask the kids, what's the one thing your parents say to you more than anything else? And they go, I love you and clean your room. Mm. So it's a fact. So adult 
adults across the country have been showing up to get vaccinated in their droves, which is fantastic. But now we're getting closer and closer to having the majority of our adult population vaxxed. The attention is turning to kids. Now, we know that this is the topic that's inundating your group chats that everybody's talking about at the school gate, whether that's a virtual school gate or an actual school gate. So we wanted to bring in an expert to answer your questions about kids and vaccination. And joining us now is Paul Griffin. He's the Director of Infectious Diseases and Principal Investigator at Meta Health. Hello, Paul. G'day, Paul. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for joining us. Just at the very beginning, just tell us what are the rules right now with regards to kids and COVID vaccinations? So it's been really welcome news to, to recently see the approval for 12 years of age and older in terms of uh, having vaccines available. I mean, it's been a bit of a journey in terms of the age groups that we use these vaccines in, and not because we ever thought they weren't going to be safe and effective in children, but it's the way we do the clinical trials and that we start with healthy adults first, we expand out to older adults, people with medical problems, and then finally we get to people in uh, pregnancy, for example, and we do the trials in young children. And it's been great to see those trials done and show the results that have supported the approval in this age group and hopefully more age groups to come. That's really helpful, Paul. So the reason some people who might be a bit concerned, the reason that it's adults and different age groups, then pregnant people, then children, is not because they're kind of changing their mind about its safety. It's that literally that's the order of the trials. That's exactly right. And we haven't started using a vaccine unless we're completely confident that the data shows it's both safe and effective. So we had that first for healthy adults. We then got that for people with all sorts of medical problems and, and people that were older. And now we've seen that for children in this age group. And we're, we're getting close to having that same sort of level of evidence to support using the vaccines, even in younger children soon as well. With adults, you know, we had AstraZeneca and Pfizer. And then, so now we've got Moderna's just arrived. And there was a I don't even know what you'd call it, a kerfuffle law about AstraZeneca and the benefits or the the side effects of that. Where does Moderna fit into that landscape or are we just looking at them all now as their vaccines, get one, get on it? The latter is a good way to look at it. I mean, in this country, we we have an excellent regulatory system that that certainly would not approve a vaccine if it wasn't both safe and highly effective. I mean, there's been some tweaking of different populations in which we use these vaccines and different ways we use them in response to a you know evolution of the the situation we find ourselves in. But in this country, you can be completely confident if a vaccine's approved, if it's available, then it's the right thing to do. So all three of the vaccines we have available now are both safe and effective. And while some studies might show Pfizer's a bit better than Moderna at some things and AstraZeneca's a bit better than Pfizer at other things, in the end, they're all very effective. So it really does come down to getting the first vaccine that's available to you. So there isn't one of those three that's better, in inverted commas, for children? No, that's right. I mean, there's more evidence for the mRNA-type vaccines for children, as well as in pregnancy as well. So the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine, they're the ones that we're going to most likely use uh, to vaccinate our children and that we're using in pregnancy as well. And and not that we couldn't perhaps use AstraZeneca, but we just don't have the same amount of data supporting the use of these vaccines in those groups. Listen, what about the side effects for kids? Will they be similar to adults, you know, fever and chills and aching joints? 
That's right. It looks like they're going to be very similar. And so, you know, a, a reasonable portion of people can expect some what we call local uh, adverse effects. And so that what that really looks like is a bit of a sore arm or perhaps a bruise or a bit of a lump there. So, so nothing to be too worried about. And then a proportion of people will get some systemic uh, adverse events. And what I mean by that is things like a headache, feeling a little bit tired or achy or maybe having a fever. But for the vast majority of people, those sort of uh, side effects don't interfere with people being able to still do their day-to-day activities and only last the first you know, day, day and a half, for example. So a, a very reasonable price to pay, I guess, for getting protected from COVID. And I suppose just as a footnote to that, Paul, if you do get bad side effects, things that are not within that realm of normal that you've just described, that's when you go and see a health professional. Oh, exactly right. And, you know, I'd certainly encourage people if they have specific questions about the the risks and benefits in their particular circumstance, whether it be some medical problems or what have you, I'd certainly encourage people to have a discussion with their GP or vaccine provider. And absolutely, as you say, if people are concerned about an adverse event after a vaccine, then definitely seek uh, medical attention. And in this country, we've been really good at actually making sure we record those adverse events so we can track them really carefully and make sure there's no signals in terms of uh, the safety of these vaccines in our hands. Okay, great. Can I ask, Paul, what the latest is on when we might expect vaccines for under 12? So there was a news story this week that Pfizer may be being approved for the group of 5 to 11-year-olds. Do we have any idea of a time frame on that? I think it's close. I mean, in terms of the specific time frame, it's really just like it's been in the other groups. It's, you know, as soon as the data has been reviewed and confirms that it's safe and effective in that group, but that process is underway. The, the trials would suggest that it is safe and effective in that group. And, and my understanding is that process is definitely underway. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's in the in the coming months. So I think that's very likely to happen before the end of this year, for example. And then I wouldn't be surprised if uh, even the age group below that might even get approved. I would expect roughly, and of course, many things could change between now and then, but uh, perhaps early in the new year, we might even have these vaccines available down to, to maybe even six months of age. So by next year, it's possible that everybody could get a vaccine if they're willing to do it. Absolutely. And I think that would just be fantastic. I mean, we know there's different priorities on different groups for a whole variety of reasons. But I think, you know, I certainly look forward to the time where there's a vaccine that we can use for everybody. And if we take that small gap to six months of age, well, those people are hopefully protected by their mums getting the vaccine in pregnancy. So we'll really have, I guess, end-to-end protection available for, you know, people of any age group. And that'll go a really long way to minimising the impact of this virus. So, Paul, does that mean that for breastfeeding mums, if they're vaccinated that that's getting passed through to their newborn? That's right. So particularly vaccinating in pregnancy, you kind of get a two or three for one when you do that because uh, the mums obviously get protected and we know this virus is terrible in in pregnancy. And then some of that protection will be passed on to their newborn children. And so that'll get them some protection for a matter of months. And then hopefully shortly thereafter in the coming months or perhaps next year, we can then get those children vaccinated themselves. So so that means, uh, I guess, there's a, a vaccine option for everybody. Can I ask you, if we just step back and say why it's so important that we do vaccinate kids against COVID, because some people will say kids don't get that sick, kids aren't dying of COVID in great numbers, why would we vaccinate them? Can you just kind of explain why it's so important? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. Very fortunately, we have seen that children do tend to get less severe disease from this virus than adults, which is obviously great. But when we have lots of cases around, even if the rate is relatively low, that still means, unfortunately, some kids will get sick from this. And I think that the main thing in my mind 
that really underpins using the vaccine in these younger children is that we've seen their education interrupted so much by having to close schools as part of our strategy to curb transmission. And so if we had the majority of children vaccinated, and of course, the adults that work at those schools, the teachers are a very important group as well. But if we had the majority of people in those schools vaccinated, then I would like to think that we don't have to look at closing down schools quite so much if we do have lots of transmission that, that of course, we've been really good at handling in this country so far, but we will see transmission continue. We will see the case numbers continue to climb. And if we've got lots of the children vaccinated, well, then hopefully they can still go to school, they can still interact with each other in a safe way. Paul, this is, I mean, it's on topic, but it sort of might be outside your area of expertise. Is there a best way to ask someone whether they're vaccinated or not vaccinated? Look, it's tricky, isn't it? And I know it's a... If you know what I mean. <laughs> it's a highly emotive topic at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we have to have some kind of very visible proof to go about our day-to-day lives at some point in time. And whether that's to to gain entry to, to restaurants or shops, a bit like we're doing with QR code scanning, mm. or maybe to other events, or certainly for travelling, for example, we may have to have, you know, some kind of... Uh, and I don't like the word passport, because we're not talking about changing people's passports here, but some kind of proof of vaccination that might be able to be shown to facilitate additional moving around that is the right thing to do for people that are protected. But look, I think at the moment, as I say, it is an emotive topic. And I certainly encourage people to talk about it because often if people do have a a frank and open discussion, vaccinated with unvaccinated, they they can perhaps find out that it's not as bad as they thought or that some, if there is a a myth or a misconception that's preventing them getting it done, that might be able to be clarified. So I think just perhaps uh, asking people and making sure it's a thing that can be discussed. Just be upfront. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Paul. That was so helpful and also very encouraging, I think. No trouble. Thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. Terrific. Nailed it. You failed it. We are doing my favourite part of the week, Nails and Fails, which is where we discuss what we got right and wrong in parenting. Andrew Daddo, what went right in your house this week? Or wrong. What went right or wrong well, in well, your house this week? I said we would be going into the salami game and we went into the salami game. So we've made salami, right? Veal and pork with fennel and chilli and stuff like that. We made them. Yum. Now, here's a tip. You've got to make friends with your butcher if you want to do it because you need somewhere to hang your salami. So I went and gave it to Ryan, who's the butcher up at Fairlight, and said, you know, would you mind? Gave him a bottle of wine to say thank you as he did it. And he looked at them and smiled, and I was trying to read the smile, and he said, they're much better than I thought they were going to be. He said, you've actually done quite a good job. So, but it wasn't me. from a butcher. Yeah, and it was, we didn't, we had sort of little, not arguments, but it's my turn, Dad. It's my turn. So that was, it was a really fun thing. So that was a nail. But the other one is, I cut the sleeves off a t-shirt this week. Because Jackie, she's on school holidays. So when she's on holidays, everyone's on holidays. And she goes, I really would like those doors painted. And it was quite warm. So I cut the sleeves off the T-shirt. Then the kids start calling me Brax, right? Like I've escaped from home and away. And then <laughs> at least 10 times that day, somebody go, hey, Brax, call the cops. Someone's stolen the sleeves off your T-shirt. And so epic fail. Like, I it, you know, Do you think you're it, maybe a little bit old to cut the sleeves off your T-shirt, Andrew? Or I didn't go out. Thing to say? Hang on, I, I didn't go out. It was a home thing. Like, I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> you know, when we do watch Home and Away, I go, why does everyone have their sleeves cut off? So it was pretty funny. Mm. Fail. How about so, you? 
Interesting, in New South Wales this week, which is where Andrew and I live, we got a change of rules for kids. It was quite exciting. So for kids under the age of 18, like a little present on Tuesday morning, are allowed to visit each other in their friends' homes. Now, during the lockdown so far, where I live, my kids have been playing outside with one other friend, but no kids have been in the house, obviously. But like Matilda's been going for a bike ride with one of her mates or Billy's been going for a bash about in the woods with one of his mates because we live in the country now, darling. Yes, we live in the yes. country now. <laughs> it was very exciting. My phone started running hot because I was like, right, there's a limit that you can only have three nominated friends who can come in your house, which is why it's going to be a bit problematic. And I'm sure there are some parents listening to this who are like, ah, because if your kid doesn't make the cut of the three, that's a problem. Mm. Mm. So you had mm. to get in quite early to be like, hey, can so-and-so come over and therefore make it in as one of the three, right? Oh, my God. So the rule is that vaccinated houses, so the adults are vaccinated, because at this point the kids can't mm. be vaccinated or very few kids are, you can have one child over at a time, nominated list of three. So immediately kids beside themselves, immediately text messages going around going, can they come to your house? Can they come to your house? And then <laughs> it's lucky we've just spoken to this expert because also people saying, how do I know that the other house is vaccinated? And how do I ask mm. that question? And a dad called me, who's one of Matilda's friends, who I texted straight away. I texted him straight away and said, Matilda would love to come and play with so-and-so. We're vaccinated. That was the way I put it. Like, so that's yeah, right. fine for us. And then I just left it open-ended. And he called me and he said, yes, I'm vaccinated. That's fine. He said, but how do I ask other parents if they're vaccinated? And I said, oh, mate, even in a small community like the one I've moved to, mm. people tend to know mm. whether or not people are a bit, you know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> A bit hesitant yeah. or I haven't done it. I mean, it. what do you even say, Holly? They're a bit, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think my view was like, put it out there, say, we're vaccinated. This new rule has happened. We're yeah, vaccinated and leave it open. And then they can either walk through that door or not. Anyway, the reason it's a nail is because I've been freaking out about school holidays because for this first week, at least of the lockdown school holidays, I'm still working, working at home. Can't supervise what the hell is going on in the rest of the house. Brent's kind of in and out of working. He can't supervise. And the idea that now at least they can have a mate over and they can be playing mm. video games together or they can be doing craft projects together or they can be bashing around down the road together has just made the world of difference. So I hope that other locked down states, i.e. Victoria, get this rule yeah. soon too. Can I ask you a naughty question? Yes. Do you reckon anyone is actually going to check that the three on your list are actually the kid in the house is one of the kids on the list? Probably not. So I understand about, you know, doing the right thing, but in the cut and thrust of, you know, having kids who need kids to play with. I know because I know there are parents who are anxious because they're like, what if my kid doesn't get on the list? And I was a bit worried because I'm like, my kids are both new yeah. in town. So their no. friends lists are already going to be full. But then I was like, yeah. we will do the right thing because we're responsible citizens. But do I think yes. the police are going to be door knocking to make sure that you're one of the three on the list? I doubt it. Show me the list. We're living in strange times, Andrew. Strange times. Very strange times.
Oh, listen, just one last thing before we go. Go Demons. I've just got – go Melbourne Football Club tomorrow night. Come on, Demons. I'm going to be thinking go. of Andrew when I watch. Okay, great. I just had to get that out. That is a nail. It's a forward projection nail. First grand final in 57 it's years. It's a positive thinking that they nail. Win. Come on, folks. Thank you for joining us, our wonderful messes. Send us your parenting dilemmas. Tell us what you think of the show. We want to hear from you. TGM at mamamia.com.au. This glorious mess, Big Kids, is brought to you by Mamma Mia. The episode is produced by Michaela Floriano. Thank you for listening. Who is a Melbourne supporter. She is a Melbourne supporter. So go Dees. Yes, she is. She's been giving you top tips about your salami from her excellent Italian heritage. Yes. Yes. I put bits of blue in there as well. Don't know what it was. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.